All right, so we're in Romans chapter 16, and you'll notice uh, throughout this chapter, and often in the in Paul's epistles, when he gets to the last chapter, he starts naming a bunch of people. He starts just kind of, uh, you know, salute this person, greet this person, and sometimes he even mentions people in a bad way. Usually it's good, but remember, uh, you know, like where he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. But whenever he's writing these letters, you know, we need to remember these letters, you know, they're not just... Here for us doctrinally things that we uh, get doctrine from, but these were, you know, literal letters that he wrote to literal churches that have real people in them. And so when he's writing the letters to these churches, we often see at the end how he starts just pointing people out, just trying to get messages to them because of the fact that these people were important to Paul. And when you read these things, it's very clear that Paul had a deep love for these people. You know, Paul was somebody who. You know, serve the Lord, work very hard, but he was, Paul was not alone in his work. And one, one thing that I believe made Paul great, it was not just the Apostle Paul. And I don't want to take anything away from the Apostle Paul. There's no doubt he was a great man. Now he, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, did not talk about himself like he was that great. You know, he was, he was a humble guy, but there's no doubt Paul did some of the greatest works of any Christian ever, but Paul was never alone doing his great works. And the title of message tonight is the people behind Paul. The people behind Paul. Because, you know, often churches, you know, the credit often goes to the pastor for that church. You know, whenever people think about a great church, often they talk about the pastor because he's the one that's kind of out there that everybody knows. But the truth is, you know, every great church has just a lot of great people in it. It's not just about a great pastor. It's not just about one guy. There is the people that are behind that pastor because the truth is, if all you have is a pastor, you don't have a church. You can't be a pastor without a congregation. So no matter how great my personality is, no matter how great my preaching is, no matter how great my doctrine is, you know, I'm not a great pastor if I don't have a congregation. And our Liberty Baptist Church does not do great things without a congregation. We've got to have people in the church that are just there doing their part. And we're only going to be in Romans 16 tonight with the things that we talk about because truth is we can look at all the epistles and there's things that we can learn from all these names that he gives. But I want to just stay in Romans tonight. I thought about maybe just doing a series on this, just looking at the people that Paul mentioned in his epistles and what he said about them and what we can learn from. We could probably, you know, preach this message from each of the epistles, but we're just going to do Romans chapter 16. And I want to look at the things that Paul mentioned about these people because nothing's in the Bible by accident. I don't think God, you know, inspired Paul to just write these things to make these people feel good. I think we're supposed to learn from these things. That's why the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's all profitable. And even Paul mentioning these people that are maybe many of them not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible that we know nothing else about. You know, we ought to pay attention to what said God had it there for a reason. So let's look at Romans chapter 16. See, because remember, Paul said he was he was never alone. He's always with people. In fact, Paul was rarely ever in prison. I don't even know if he ever was in prison alone. Usually when he was in prison, he had somebody with him. You know, we like to talk about how Paul went to prison and he did go to prison a lot, but he always had people that were with him too. And every great man has always been surrounded by great people. So let's look at verse 1. It says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, 
which is at Chentria. I don't know how to say it. That ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. You know one thing that every good church needs? They don't just need a good pastor. They need servants in that church. They need people who minister to the needs of other people. Some They need some people in there that don't come with this attitude of, all right, what can I get? What does this church have to offer me? They come just saying, all right, where can I use my talents? Where can I use my abilities? Not to put myself on display. Not to show, you know, showcase my talents. But to help other people, to be a blessing to other people, it says, you know, she has been a succor of many and of myself also. So he's commending her. You know, we need servants. We need people that are good at what they do. People that, you know, as a pastor, I could be confident recommending. And he is, he's commending this woman and saying, listen, you know, assist her in whatever she's wanting to do. Whatever, whatever she does, she does it well. She accomplishes great things. Give her what she needs. Help her out. Because she's going to get a great work done. And it's, it's wonderful when you have good people that you can recommend. It, it makes you able to do more. And once again, often pastors get the credit for things. Okay? They often get the credit for things. But the truth is, often it's not the pastor that's doing the work. It's somebody in the church doing the work. You know, they're able to send, you know, we're getting ready, to, we're going to send some guys to go, you know, preach in another church. Just try to be a blessing in that church. And I'll probably get thanked for it. You know, hopefully they get thanked too. But the truth is, you know, I'm glad there's people that I can recommend and say, hey, you know what? These guys, they can help you out. They're not going to destroy your church. You know, you, you know, they're not going to be that evangelist like we talked about today that, you know, blow in, blow out, or blow up and blow out. All right. And please don't do that. All right. Because you, you'll make me look bad. <laughs> and, and, and you'll make our church look bad. And the truth is, there are, I mean, there's been people before that I've worked with over the years that I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend them for anything. I mean, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't want to be a reference for them to work at a fast food restaurant. They're just, they're that worthless. And they're Christians. They're, they're saved people. I've worked with those people and there are, there's, there's always, you know, over the years, you know, my dad's church was a good sized church and, there was a lot of times people would need help with things. And it's just like, you know, who, you know, who do you send? And there was always those people that wanted to volunteer for everything. And, you, you know, but it's like, no. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else want to do it? You know, not you. You know, because you can't recommend them for anything. And the truth is, you know, most of these people that are like that, they were that way because they had serious character problems. And the truth is, as a Christian, we ought to be taking care of some of our character problems. You know, hopefully, you all learn things from the preaching. Hopefully, you all are learning things from reading your Bible. And you're not just getting knowledge in your head, but you're putting it to practice in your life. You know, you actually are a disciplined person. You actually are somebody who's living a good, clean, moral life. You actually are somebody who exhibits the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you're being a blessing to other people. And when you're living that kind of life, you know, that's more good works that are being done in the name of Liberty Baptist Church. That's the kind of thing that we need to do if we want to make an impact in this community, if we want to make an impact in this nation. It can't be one guy doing things. We've got to have a bunch of people doing things. 
And we're going to need those who are succors. So we need those who are going and they're taking care of the needs of other people and just being a blessing. And Paul doesn't explain exactly how she did it or what she did. But what we do know is she was good at it. And so he's able to commend her. And he's, he's encouraging them to assist her in whatever she's doing because she gets the work done. And we need people like that. And so notice... 2 and verse 3 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So notice, we need people who are willing to just put themselves out there and be vulnerable so they can be a blessing, not to this, just to this church, but other churches. Notice he's mentioning that and he's talking about they laid down their own necks. Now, I'm not real sure exactly what happened, what he's talking about. Does it? I, I, obviously, they didn't die because he's saying greet them. But it, it sounds like they probably came close. It sounds like they actually put themselves in a position where they could have died. And maybe the Lord spared them. You know, we don't know. He doesn't tell us here. But he does mention how they laid down their own necks. And he says, not only do I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Now, I don't know what they did exactly, but if there's somebody who laid down their own necks, these are people who are, you know, the term we use, they, you know, we stick, they stick their neck out for people. You know, they're putting themselves out there, willing to be vulnerable, willing to be hurt. You know why a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with church today? Because they've been hurt by people before. And let me promise you something. You hang around church long enough, you're going to get hurt by people. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay because we're doing it for the Lord. We're not doing it for people. You know, a mentality that I got rid of years ago, that I used to hear preachers say this all the time, and I'm not saying that these are bad preachers, but this is not my mentality. They're always talking about investing in people. And I was like, I just like, you know what? People are a poor investment. You say, that's a terrible attitude. But listen, people mess up all the time. People disappoint you all the time. Boy, if, if my mentality, you know, and wouldn't we agree that if I, we were investing in stocks, okay, a good investment is one where you actually get a return, right? Not one where you lose money. Okay? If you're losing money, if you're not getting it as much back as you put in, that's a bad investment, right? Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, when it comes to, People in the ministry that you're going to minister to, you're not going to you're you're going to put in more than you're going to get back most of the time. And so, therefore, people are a bad investment. So, you know what I decided a long time ago? I'm not going to invest in people. I'm just going to give. I'm just I'm just going to give. If there's something I have to give, I'm just going to give, expecting nothing in return. And if I get something back in return, great. If I don't get anything, it doesn't matter. I gave. And I didn't give it to the people because people stink. I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm not doing it for you. You're not worth it. I'm doing it for Christ. And the way I do it for Christ is I do it for you. So you all get lucky. And you all, get, you know, you all can get a blessing out of it. But just understand, you're not worth it. And you say, boy, Pat, you have a, you have a terrible attitude. Hey, that's just people. I'm, I'm speaking in general. I really do love all you folks, but it's very possible. You know, statistics are just there that you, you know, the statistics tell me you're going to be a bad investment. <laughs> well, you don't have a lot of confidence. I'm, I'm just speaking in general. I'm an optimistic person. 
Okay? I'm looking at this crowd and I'm expecting you all to be around for a long time and do great things for God. But the statistics are clear that most of you just aren't. And if, and if most of you don't pan out and don't do anything for God, I'm going to still be fine. I'm still going to get my rewards in heaven because I'm not investing. I'm giving. And, you know, that's the attitude we need to have. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be vulnerable. I'll stick my neck out there. And if I get hurt, I get hurt. You know, and it's, it's sad when you get close to people and they turn around and they stab you in the back. It stinks. But, you know, if I'm not, if I'm just so busy trying to just protect myself and keep myself from ever getting hurt, I'm not going to accomplish anything. So I'm just going to put myself out there. I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable. And if I get stabbed in the back, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to walk it off. That's what you have to do. If, if we get stabbed in the back, if we get hurt, deal with it. Just keep going. You'll never hurt me as much as you hurt Jesus. And he kept going. So I'm just going to keep going. And that's the attitude we need to have. We're not going to come in here saying, all right, well, what can I get from this church? What can I get from these people? No, what can I give? Because the way we give to the Lord, the way we serve the Lord is we serve people and we need people that will just put themselves out there and be vulnerable. And if you go and you do something and you put your heart and your soul into something, you do the best that you can and then you get criticized for it, you know, oh, well, just do it again. That hurts. It's, it's going to hurt. Let people hurt you. Let people in this church hurt your feelings. Go ahead. Let them stab you in the back and just, but just keep going. Because we're doing it for the Lord. And people like Priscilla and Aquila, they were, they were His helpers in Christ Jesus. They laid, they, they laid down their own necks. They were willing to put themselves on the chopping block. If that's what it meant to advance the cause of Christ. If that's what it meant to help the Apostle Paul. And thankfully, you know, God spared them. They, did, they didn't die, but they were willing to. And we ought to be willing to let ourselves get hurt. And... Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Hopefully God will protect us. But if you get hurt, you know, you don't have an excuse to just quit. And it's like people today, they're just looking for an excuse to quit. And it's like preachers looking for an excuse to quit. Uh, I invested all these years in this church. I invested all these years in these people. And look what I got. Yes, because people are a sorry investment. You should have just given. If you'd have just given, expecting nothing in return, then you would have been actually counting your blessings and thinking about all the good things that you got. From all, from all those years. Because, you know, we do, there, there, there's a lot of good things that we get too. And then you would be like, you know what? And they can't take away the rewards in heaven. So if Jesus had a Judas, we ought to be able to handle having a Judas or two. So if Jesus, you know, one of his 12 are bad, you know, I'd like to think, you know, our percentages are probably going to be bigger than that. You know, but it doesn't matter. We're not doing it. We're not doing it for the, those reasons. We're doing it for the Lord. So, uh, you know, not every church, you know, has what we have too. So notice too how, you know, they they were not only a blessing to him, but uh, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So not every church has what we have here today. Not every church, you know, has you know a, a, a lot of people that are, they'll go out souling. Not every church has a lot of the talent that that we have. We should be as a church generous with our people, and if we have somebody that's a blessing in this church but they're ready to be a pastor, we ought to be willing to say, you know what? Let's let them go somewhere else. Let's let them go pastor somewhere else. A lot of pastors are very greedy with their people and they don't want to send anybody out. They want to keep them all. We've got to keep them all here so we can build our kingdom. 
I, I believe that's a bad attitude. We ought to have the attitude, once again, not that we're trying to get rid of people, but we ought to be willing to get rid of people. I mean, what? think about this. What better gift could we give? All right, If we really believe, you know, give and it shall be given unto you. What better gift could we give to a community than a pastor? I mean, that's, that's a real sacrifice to give a family. You know, and if there is, if there is a, a family in this church, and, and I, I hate to even bring some of this stuff up because I don't want anybody to leave the church. Right? I, I, I hate to even bring some of this stuff up. I'm not trying to tempt anybody or give anybody any ideas. Uh, why they should, but, you know, we've been very blessed here in this church with, like, musical talent. And, you know, we've got a lot of good piano players here in this church. And I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, I, I feel bad sometimes because a lot of churches would do anything for a good piano player in their church. And, you know, and if the Lord moved somebody in our church and they're like, you know, we could be a really big blessing in this church. You know, we should be okay with that. You know, it's not that we, I'm not trying to give anybody ideas, all right? You know, the Lord's not calling anybody to go to another church right now. All right. But if that happened, you know what we're not going to do? You know, I'm not going to threaten you with the Holy Ghost, you know, if you, if you go to another church. I, I'm not going to do that, you know. We're, we're going to be generous with people. Because, you know, we want to be a blessing to other churches. We want to be a help to other churches. And, we, uh, you know, we're not going to just be so worried about just, you know, keeping our attendance numbers up every week that we're never going to let a family go and, you know, visit another church or help in another church. And I, listen, you need to understand, too, it is a blessing and it is encouraging to churches when they get visitors. Do we not like when we get visitors here? We're always blessed when we get visitors. So you know what? If you're not going to be here, why don't you be a visitor at some other church? Okay, when you go on vacation, I encourage, I encourage families to go on vacation. I think that's a good thing. Make sure you go visit a church while you're there, especially if it's one of the good ones. Go visit them. Go encourage them. If we can't have you here, let it be because you're being a blessing somewhere else. Let it, and you know, and, and at the same time, representing our church. Let, you know, let them know where you go to church. Let's be the kind of church that our people are always you know visiting. Other churches. They go to Liberty. I remember when at my dad's church, we were always back in the day getting visitors from First Baptist and Hammond all the time. It's like any time you saw like a nice looking family come walking into the church visiting, you could always tell they were out of towners. It was clear they were like hardcore Baptists. So you know it was like you were kind of hoping maybe they moved there, but it was usually like somebody on vacation. They were almost always from First Baptist and Hammond, you know, or or they were somebody taking their kids to the college there. They were always like taking Interstate 80 and they'd stop on the way there to the Bible college. And, you know, but we at the same time, even though they didn't stay around, we were always we always enjoyed having them. It was always encouraging getting to talk to other brothers and sisters from across the country. It's and we enjoy and we enjoy it here. And so make sure when you're not here, when we don't have you, it's because you're being a blessing somewhere else. And you you can't you could can be a big help just by showing up and being there. And that's the kind of attitude we ought to have because we're not in competition with other churches. You understand that this isn't about Liberty Baptist Church. This is about Jesus Christ. Okay? And if these other churches are out there and they're preaching Christ and they're, they're doing the right things, they are fellow laborers with us. We are working for the same thing. And if we can be a help, if we can be an encouragement to them, you know, we might be strong. You know, we might be a church, we're, we're strong, we're doing good, they're struggling, they're going through a difficult time. We ought to be willing to help them out. I want us to be a church like that. And people like Priscilla and Aquila, they were somebody, they weren't just a blessing in one place. They were known amongst all the churches. 
And I, I don't know what they did, but the Apostle Paul, he, he made mention of them. Verse 5, Romans 16, says, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved, Epin, I don't know how to say that name either, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. I like this too. He mentions this man whose name I can't pronounce. Alright? He mentions how he's the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. What does that mean? I think he's probably the first one they got saved in that town. You say, you know, why is that important? You know, we need people who are faithful for the long haul. You know, I'm thankful that we have new people in this church, but I'm glad it's not all new people. I'm glad that our church isn't just a revolving door where we're just like, it's all new members every year. You know, I'm glad we've got people that have been here for a long time. I'm glad we have several people that were here on our first Sunday. I'm, th I'm thankful for that. It's encouraging when you have that fruit that remains. When you have some people that stick it out for the long haul, that show faithfulness, it's encouraging. It's motivating. It's motivating to other people in the church. Maybe they're newer Christians. It's motivating to the pastor. You know, because he's confident that, hey, you know, I'm probably not going to run these people off if I preach this message. I can actually preach the truth. These probably, people are probably going to still be around because, man, they've been putting up with me for years. You know, they, they've, they've proved they like hard, hard preaching. It's encouraging. A lot of pastors today are just scared to death to preach things that they should be preaching because they're terrified they're going to lose people in their congregation because they do. They've got a revolving door on their church and where and nobody stays. They don't have anybody that's been there a long time. It's like they're preaching a different church almost every year. And I don't I won't get this number exactly right, but there was a a well known pastor one time, I remember he told my dad that he said he said I, I believe I, I believe I got this right, every ten years expect your congregation to be ninety percent different. And I remember thinking, man, that's crazy. and you know I think that's probably right in a lot of places, you know, that 10 years from now, only 10% of those people are going to be, it's going to be 90% new people. And not because, you know, you got 90% more people, you know, but because you're just recycling people. You know, it's just, it's just a, a completely different group. And I don't, I don't find that real encouraging, but I do think that's probably the case in a lot of churches. And we need people who are those, you know, first fruits that they're there for the long haul. They go and they stay around for a long time. That's a, that's a huge blessing. He says in verse 6, Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. We need people who go above and beyond. Many people have this attitude when it comes to doing things for God, well, it's just for the church. And they, and they don't try very hard. You know, And whatever you do, I mean, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Whether it's singing a special, you ought to do your best. You know, don't just wing it. Go practice. Go work on it. Do your best. All right, make an effort. When I, when I get up and preach, do y'all do y'all really want me to just get up here and wing it? I just turn your Bibles wherever. It's all good. And then I just go on a ramble. I just ramble for an hour. Is that what you really want, or would you like me to actually put some study in and do my best? You know, let me labor in the in the word that my profiting may appear to all that it's clear, man, that our pastor is actually learning stuff. Our pastor is actually putting some study into things rather than just getting up and just winging it, just rambling. That's not good. And when it, whatever you do, whether it's cleaning the church, whether it's you know singing a special, whether it's being an usher, do good. 
and go above and beyond. Find a way to do it better. You know, me when it, as as a pastor, I'm not I'm not a slave driver. I'm not a taskmaster. I'm not like that. I'm not one to just crack a whip or anything like that. I I just I need th- I want things to get done. I want people to volunteer. I want people to want to do it. So I'm not going to get real picky about how y'all do things that you do. But it's a blessing though if when you do some of those things, you find a way to just do it really good. Even if it's a little thing. Because all those things make our church look good. All the, whatever it is that you're doing, you can make us look good by bestowing that much labor like Mary. That just whatever it is, man, you're, going all, you're going all out. You know, because you realize, hey, I'm not doing this just for this congregation. I'm doing it for the Lord. And there's some things that you can do going above and beyond whatever it is where nobody's going to see it. No, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to notice it. Nobody's ever probably even going to know about it. You're probably not going to get mentioned from the pulpit. You're not going to get any recognition. But God sees all that labor. God sees all the work that went into it. And therefore, you're going to be blessed by God. You're going to be rewarded by God. And at the same time, our church is going to be blessed as a result of it. We're going to end up looking good as a result of it. So look at verse 7. He says, salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. So notice again, he mentions some people that were fellow prisoners. Once again, Paul, most of the time, was not in prison by himself. He had people there with him. I mean, I can't imagine being in prison, especially back then. But even if I were in prison today, I would prefer to be in prison with a friend. Not that I want you to go to jail too, but you know, who wants to be in jail alone? You know, Paul, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad Paul, didn't, he didn't sing, a, he didn't have to sing a solo when he was in prison. He got to sing a duet. You know, that, that's better. If he'd have been by himself, he might not have done it. He might have needed Silas. You know, he might have been the better singer to make him sound. I, I don't know, but isn't it better? You know, the Bible says two are better than one. So you got these guys, they're fellow prisoners. He refers to them also as kinsmen. These are people that are related to him. He also mentions how they were in Christ before him. These were guys who were noted among the apostles. These guys were, these guys were well-known men amongst the apostles because they did good things. They were his kinsmen. And they had been saved even longer than the apostle Paul had. You know, we need people who are humble enough to follow leadership, the leadership of someone who they may outrank in certain areas in life. I'm glad there's people in this church that are older than me and don't mind still coming to this church. Uh, I, I don't have to listen to you. you know, I'm older than you are. Therefore, you, know, you should be listening to me. Well, I, you know, I'm the one that God put as pastor in this church. And, I'm, and it, it, it probably takes some humility. You know, There's people in this church, probably, that are smarter than me. I mean, they have a higher IQ than I do. I know that. Okay? You know, there, there's people, a lot of people in this church, that in many areas are better than me. And as far as talent, abilities, knowledge, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, God placed me as pastor in this church. And I'm glad that I don't only have people. I don't want to have a church full of people that are all younger than me, dumber than me, less talented than me, just so I can feel superior. Okay? I, I don't need that. And I'm, I'm glad that we have people in this church that are better than me. And but yet they're still willing to submit. They're still willing to follow the, my, my leadership 
That makes me look good. If I just have a church full of idiots, that doesn't make me look good. You know, if, if you know, if we have a church that you know people walk into and you know they think I just I do all my soul winning in the uh, detention class in the public schools, you know, that you know, that's not going to help our church out. It's not going to help our testimony. But when you see that there are that there, there's people from all over, from from different backgrounds, all different ages. That kind of thing shows that, you know, what we have here, it's not just a cult, you know. Cults usually have a very specific group of people. You know, they, they, they usually only reach a very uh, slim demographic. And that's one of the just the marks of a cult. But, you know, a church like this, we've got a little bit of everything here. And I think that's a good testimony to our church. It's a good testimony that what we have here is legit and real. So, you know, the, you know this, this attitude like Adronicus and Junia, his kinsmen had, we need that in the church. People who are willing to be humble. And even if you know you're better than me or know better than me in some area, you understand that, you know, God placed Pastor Tommy as the, as the pastor in this church. And so, you know, we're going to follow the leadership that God has ordained. That take, you know that's called that's humility right there. That's that back to like we talked about last week, being clothed with humility. And if you do that, God's going to give you grace. So yeah, Pastor Tommy, what if you make a bad decision? Hey, if our church is clothed in humility, God's going to give us grace. So even if we mess up, even if we don't do something exactly right, God's going to bless us anyway. But if we're going to be all puffed up with pride, even if we do everything technically right, you know, we're going to be abased by God because we have pride, which is a major, major sin. So, so we need people like these guys. So verse 8, Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Statius, my beloved. No, we need people who are close to the pastor and will help him out. Notice how he mentions, he, he, you know, Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. You know, Urbane, our helper Statues, my beloved. These were guys that Paul was very close to. It's clear Paul loves all these people. But notice how Paul, he's saying all these just wonderful things about these people, but then he refers to these people as beloved. Why? It was kind of like John. Did Jesus not love all of his disciples? But John was called the beloved disciple. Now why is that? Why was he called the beloved disciple? Well, he was the one who laid on Jesus' breast. He was the closest to Christ. He had, he had that close relationship with Christ. And because of that, you know, this sounds politically correct. Jesus obviously loved him more than the rest of them. And I, and I, you know, and it's not, we're, I'm not just, I'm not Christ. I don't even have even in the, anywhere in my brain, like a ranking of who I love the most in the church. All right. Except, you know, you know, outside family. Obviously I love them the most. But, you know, the, the truth is, Paul was great because he had these people working with him and he obviously loved these people because he understood I've been able to do what I've been able to do. We have accomplished what I've been able to accomplish. I've been able to accomplish because these people were with me and therefore they mattered to him. Therefore, these people were beloved of him because of their closeness. I don't know what made them close. I don't know what they did. Paul doesn't say but, you know, I don't believe he called him that just for no reason. He called him that for a reason. And we need people who are willing to just to help and be close. And not everybody. You know, it said, 
One thing you got to understand about, you know, friendships and personalities, you know, everybody just can't be equally friends. You know, some personalities don't go together real well. Sometimes you just don't have certain things in common, you know, and, and you, you, know, you don't go on a campaign to just become the pastor Tommy's best friend. Okay. You know, you can't, I, I, I've had people like, I, I want to, you know, they're, they're like, I want to be your best friend. That's just weird. Okay. You know, you never go to somebody and say, I want to be your best friend. You'll scare them. Okay? Close friendships just happen. They just happen. Now, we ought to all be friendly to everybody. We ought to all love everybody. But when it comes to being a close friend, that's just something that just happens. And so if it doesn't happen, don't force it. Okay? Don't force it. That's just weird. You're going to creep everybody out. And you're, not, and you're going to end up not having any friends. You know, I don't know why I don't have any friends. I try so hard. You're trying too hard. You know, you can't be calling them up five times a day. You know, you, you can't be you, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. You can't be just showing up their house all the time and looking in their windows at night. And you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna scare people with that. It just it just happens. So, but uh, you know, every every great man they had people like that though, that were close. And it does. It, it just happens. Verse 10. Salute Apelles approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsmen. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Notice he doesn't really say anything specific about these people. He just kind of names them. You know, he's been saying with, with, with all the other people, he's been kind of saying things about him, kind of saying why he's mentioning or mentioning some kind of trait. But with these guys, he just kind of mentions them by name and just mentions how they're in the Lord. Well, I'm sure all these people he mentioned are in the Lord. But, you know, the truth is we need those, we'll just call them extras, who are just there, whose faithfulness and presence help motivate everyone. And, you know, so there are there's every church... And I think every pastor would agree with this. You know, there's, there's always those people in the church, and I don't want to downplay anybody or any role that anybody has in the church. But, you know, it is just a blessing just for those that are just there. You know, you think about, you know, like Miss Hazel and Miss Beulah. You know, they've been coming to church here since we started. You know, there's not that you know, much they can do. I mean, it's, it's a blessing how Miss Hazel knits for people and does things like that. But really, ultimately, their wonderful con- contribution they make to this church is just faithfulness and being there there's not much more you know when you're in your 90s you know hazel's not going to be leading the charge on the salt next owning marathon she, you know she's she's not going to go to those apartments like we did today you know soling and walking up steps and things and I, I don't expect her to but you know i thank god for people like them that are just they're just they're just there you know the last few weeks when they weren't here you know because of weather and things we miss them why you know they're, you know, they're, they're not singing extra loud and contributing to the, you know, the vocals in here. You know, you know, they're not dropping bags of money in the offering plate. But, but you know what? They're here. They're faithful. They bring friendliness with them. And, what, and they help just bring that diversity. I'm glad we've got old people in our church. You know, some churches, it's all young people. That doesn't really look good either. We, you know, we all, it, it is. It's a good testimony. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful too. You know, these are ladies that... They've not been in church all their life. They've got saved since they started coming to this church. There are people that we reach, people we got saved, people we baptized, and they've been faithful all these years. And so while, you know, there's, 
you know, not this, you know, if, if they, uh, you know, there's not like a specific thing that you can point to and say, this is just this massive contribution they made. You know what? They have contributed. They've been here. They've been faithful. They've been extra bodies in the pews ever since we started when we were small. That kind of thing helps and it matters. And if it doesn't matter to anybody else, I can tell you right now, it matters to me. You better believe it matters to me. You better believe that I'm encouraged by their presence, by the presence of everyone here. You know, and I've proved that I'll preach to a nearly empty auditorium and I'd preach to an empty auditorium if I had to. But I would rather preach to human people. people. I don't want to be like Robert Breaker or Brian Denlinger and just preaching to a camera. I don't want that. I want to preach to real life, flesh and blood people. And people just showing up and just being there, being faithful, it matters and these guys matter to Paul. He doesn't say why, but he just mentions them. And I think, I think we can learn from that. Because that, you know, everyone's people who are faithful, people who just have their presence, it keeps people motivated. And sometimes it's the little things that are the most important. You know, that person who just has a welcoming personality. Have you ever walked into church and you just got that look, that mean look from somebody like, you're not supposed to be here. I knocked on a door today of a pastor, of a pastor of the Science Ridge Road Mennonite Church. And I, I knocked and I was like, hey, we're here from Liberty Baptist Church. And he just, he did, he just got this disgusted look. And I said, hey, did you go to church anywhere? He's like, I'm the pastor of the Mennonite Church in Science Ridge Road. He's like, oh, okay. You know, and he's just, he was just acting all disgusted with me. Having just a nasty attitude, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm out. I'm, I don't know, and I don't know what they believe over there, but I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying. I'm out there trying to preach the gospel. You, you'd think he'd be encouraged by that. You'd think he would have pre- most people, most pastors. I've knocked on many pastors' doors before, and they they always, most of them, always act like, "Hey, this is great. I'm glad you're doing it." Even if they don't really mean it, they at least act like it. <laughs> there was no hiding it with this guy. He didn't like it at all, and he didn't think I was a JW. I got Baptist out right away. You know, I showed I, I showed him from Liberty Baptist Church, and he had that rotten attitude with me. You know, and I you know, and I guarantee you, you know, a lot of churches. This is another thing too, and I probably shouldn't say this too because I might scare some people off. But churches often take on the personality of their pastor, and if that's the case over there. I guarantee you, you're getting a death stare. You walk in that church, you know, and they're like the they're like that Amish Mennonite too. All right, you ladies in our church, you all would be the hussies in that church over there. They all look at you like, you know, can't believe y'all dress like this in here. You know, you, you ought to just go do it, just you know, just to see if I'm right. Just you know, and that that's pathetic, you know. And it the truth, you know, we ought to be a happy people. We ought to be a welcoming people. And when people come into a church, they want to be welcome. And everybody expects the pastor to be welcoming. But, you know, it's, it's much more impressive when everybody's welcoming. When you don't stare at them like, who are you and what are you doing here? You look at them like, hey, I'm glad to see a visitor. And you go introduce yourself. And, you know, and there are people who come in and they just want to kind of sneak in and they don't like that. There's, there's people out there, they do. They just want to sneak in. Sneak out. They don't want any recognition. Those people are out there. We've probably scared some people away because we're really nice. But, you know, I would rather err on that side. I would rather scare people off because we're just too nice than scare people off because we're like that Mennonite pastor 
and his church full of old relics that look like they fell off the little house in the prairie wagon, bought all their clothes from Olson's Mercantile. I, 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 I would rather have that. But we need, we need, no, that person, we need those people who know what to say at the right time to say it. You know, they know how to just be a blessing to people, know how to be friendly, know how to talk to others. That person that knows how to recognize needs that most people just overlook. You know, they, they see what somebody needs most people wouldn't even pay attention to. There's people who are gifted in that area. They have that gift of discernment. You know, that person who, you know, we need those people that you can't even really say while they're important, but there's just no doubt they make a difference. And there are. There's people, you know, while you maybe you couldn't pinpoint, you know, they are this in our church, this is their thing, but e- either way, you know when they're not there. It's, it, everybody notices. Everybody wonders where they are because they just matter. Yeah, and we, we need those people. Verse 12 says, Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa who labor in the Lord. Salute Persis which labored much in the Lord. We need laborers. And laborers whose work provokes others to do something. Have you ever been working before? And you were being lazy and then you see that other guy working and it makes you, provokes you to work a little harder? Or have you ever been working before and everybody's being lazy while you're working hard and you're just like, you know what, why am I working so hard? <laughs> We've all been there before. And if you work in a factory, it's like that. And, and you know, you do. You just kind of get motivated by some people because they're working hard. You know, on those days, you know, where I work, if I'm feeling lazy, you know, and then you see Ed. You know, guys, you know, he, he's a legend where you work. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I probably should work a little harder. You can't make, you can't make him carry the load. That's it. And, you know, people who are working, just you, you doing work will motivate other people to do work. People are going to see what you're doing and they're going to get convicted. And you say, oh, my labor is not doing that much. The fact that you're laboring is going to motivate other people to get off their rear. More work is going to get done just because you're doing work. You say, well, I can't do much. I'm not capable of doing much. That can be the biggest motivation. You know, if, so, if we're seeing, you know, the elderly people, in our church, if they're doing things, you know, people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, they're doing, you know, we're, we know those of us who are in our 30s, we, man, we don't have any excuse. You know what it's going to do? It's going to cause us to go do some work ourselves. And just that little bit that you did, it made other people do great work as a result. Verse 13, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and, and his mother and mine. Salute and Secretus. Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are in them. Salute Philologus and Julia Nurses and his sister and Olympus and all the saints that are with them. You know, we need those who just take time to make sure everyone gets noticed because everyone's important. That's kind of like what he's doing. He's just, he's just kind of, it's like he's mentioning everybody else. You know, he's wanting to make sure that they, whatever it is that they've done, that they're noticed. Paul. Paul has remembered these people. He hasn't forgotten about them. We're not going to take time to go there. I'm going to try to finish up. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18-26, through 26, that's where it talks about how we are all members of one body and we all have different parts. And there's those parts of our body that are not as comely, but when those things hurt, the whole body hurts, doesn't it? When, that, when we're missing those parts, it affects all of us. And there are people, you know, they're like, you know, I, I want to be the head or I want to be the hand and I'm the foot. I don't want to be the foot. Hey, it's all important. 
Every bit of it's important. Everybody is important. Everybody in this church matters. You need to understand that. You need to get a hold of that. Whoever you are, you, you matter to this church. You might think, I don't really matter. I, no, you matter. You do make a difference. Just your, your presence, whatever it is you do, it makes a difference. It matters to the church as a whole. It helps us keep on going on. It, it, it may, it, you, you'll, only eternity will tell how much you've made a difference. In different areas, and I could, I could, I could spend all night just talking about just different things and everything that everyone in here has done that has helped and contributed. I don't want to do that; it take too long. I don't want to miss somebody, but it matters. You absolutely matter. I'm not just saying this; it's just a fact. Everybody matters, and if people would get a hold of that, I think it would help them be more faithful. What you do, it it affects what other people do, and we got to make sure that you know. We, don't, we ought to try to notice these things. You know, you ought to try to do that. If you notice something that somebody's doing, don't just think about it. Say something about it. You know, let, let them know that, you, that you've seen it. Let them know that you appreciate what they've done. That, that's going to motivate them. They might be thinking about quitting. And just the fact that somebody said something about it can make all the difference in the world. So make sure you, you treat everybody like they're important. Verse 16, salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now, I'm not telling you you got to go kissing everybody in the church. Please don't. That's not really our culture. But what is a holy kiss? All right. Well, I, I, I think what he's saying here too, when you salute someone with a holy kiss, well, what would be an unholy kiss? Well, maybe a kiss like Judas gave Jesus. You know, you can go and, you know, we don't kiss so much in our culture. We shake hands. But, you know, you can go shake people's hands, but in your heart, you're thinking evil towards them. You know, you can shake your hand, someone's hand and say, hey, good to see you. But in your heart, you're thinking, I'm not glad to see you. And if that's the case, people are going to pick up on it. People are going to pick up on it. And we ought to be greeting people in the church, but it ought to be sincere. It ought to be from the heart. You ought to have a heart and a love for every person who's a part of this church because we're all fellow laborers. We're trying to evangelize the world, not the community, the world and we need everyone. We need all hands on deck. We don't need anybody abandoning ship. And we don't need to be pushing anybody overboard. So make sure when we greet each other that it should be warm. It should be sincere. People will be able to tell. So verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall be under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We need people who are divisive, who cause division. You know, we need them out of our church. That's what we need. People who cause division. Why? Because notice all these things Paul's talking about here. Notice the love he has for these people. Notice the common theme of just helpers, laborers, working together. And the last thing God wants in His church that's supposed to be laboring together, serving together, doing work together, is somebody coming in and causing division. Somebody coming in, sowing discord among the brethren. That's the last thing we need because nothing will stop the work of the Lord more than that. And we ought to mark those people that are like that. And so, oh, you know, we ought, we ought to be accepting everybody. Well, yes, in general, 
But people who are causing division, people who are down on other people in the church, people who are bringing in a bad attitude and a bad spirit and putting other people down, we need to put them out, is what the Bible says. We need to keep those people out of the church. Why? Psalms 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's what we need in our church. We need to be united. We need to understand that no church is a one-man show. No church is about just a pastor. Liberty, ba- uh, Liberty Baptist Church, is, it's not about Tommy McMurtry. If there is not all of you participating, like we talked about just here in, from Romans chapter 16, then we have nothing. I, as a pastor, I'm, I'm nothing. Without a congregation, our, I, we're, I, if it's just me, we're not even a church. And I want Liberty Baptist Church to be a church that is reaching the world for Christ. That's having a real impact, and that means all hand on hands on deck. And I thank God that you know He made me the pastor of this church, and that you all are uh, follow me as pastor in this church. But just uh, just understand, you know, what we see right here, you know, has very limited potential. Okay, I I don't have the highest IQ. You know, I don't have. A lot of the gifts that a lot of other people have, but you know the truth is, that's where you all come in. You can make up for that. You know that's when we're working together. Then you know if, if this church is just about me, this church is only can only accomplish what I can accomplish. You know, but when we're all working together, the potential just explodes big time. And so you all need to understand that, and I, I, I want you to understand. That. I hope you understand that I. I get, I, I understand, I see the impact that you all have. Maybe some of you don't see it. You know, may, maybe you don't see it. Maybe you're thinking, I, we, I don't really matter. It doesn't really make a difference. No, it does. You know, the, the amount of time I put in studying, you know, when you have people that drive two and three hours to come to the church, that makes you say, you know what, I probably shouldn't just wing it. I probably should actually put some study into this. People are coming a long way to hear the preaching. I probably should put an effort into it. I probably shouldn't just be getting my sermons from Paul Chappell's sermon outline books that he's selling. I probably should actually put in some work. You know what? So you know what y'all are doing? You're making me work a little harder. You're making me do a little better. You all, because I'm actually putting in the extra study because I feel like I just should, you know, I'm avoiding some dumb mistakes. I might not preach some kind of, I might not get caught up in some false doctrine because you provoked me to put in a little extra study. Or maybe I would have gotten lazy before. It all, it all comes, it all works together. It all matters. And so I, I hope, I hope this showed this to you in, in a small way today and that you all keep up the good work. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the people that you have uh, brought to this church and that have just uh, been such a blessing. And dear God, we, we want to see great things happen in 2020. We want to, we want to just uh, have our best year yet. Lord, you did great things last year, but we're expecting even more this year. And so I pray that uh, through this message, Lord, you'll help people realize just how much they matter to this church and that you will, uh, that it will be an encouragement for them to just continue doing what they're doing and to even expand on what they're doing. In your name we pray. Amen.